Hey guys, it is episode 52 of Sound Pollution. This week I have the founding member of the Rosello Project, Charlie Rosello. This is a three-piece instrumental group that blends rock and kind of new agey soundscapes to create new sounds that take the listeners on a journey. Uh, He is going to be telling you what made him decide to pursue this dream, which is actually 30 years in the making, how the group came to be, the stories behind three of the Rosello Project's tracks, and of course, top it all off with a little advice. Make sure you click those links below and show these talented musicians some love, and we're off. So this is a three-piece band, um, instrumental only. What what are the other names of the people in the group with you? So Mike Bosey, he plays bass and does keyboards also. And Bob Kirby, he is the drummer and does like electronic drums and uh, traditional drums. And how did you guys get together? So actually, it's it's pretty interesting. About 10 years ago, I had an ad in like a Craigslist listing looking for musicians, and that's how I found Mike. And then um, I had started working with a, a different drummer and started getting my ideas together. And then as time went on, the project got derailed with different life events and such. And then eventually I uh, found Bob through um, just an ad like on Facebook a few years ago. And that's Bob joined me. Between Mike and Bob and myself, we are now the core group. And I have worked with other musicians in the last 10 years trying to get this off the ground. But I never really did. But now, finally, I found the right guys. So we're really, really doing well now. That's awesome. And so it's so interesting that you meant that because of ads online. Seems to be something a lot uh, of people are doing. Yeah, that's. It's amazing. That's exactly how I met both of them. Uh, they were not referred to me. It wasn't through people or a network we knew. It was just a cold call from a Craigslist ad or a Facebook ad. Yep. Man, that Craigslist ad stuff can be super helpful. <laughs> it can. <laughs> and so you guys just kind of clicked when you got it all when you got all together. It just sort of worked. Yeah. So, like a little background. So, I've been envisioning this for the last thirty years. Okay. Um, oh wow. I've been playing in rock bands and metal bands, and I've been I've recorded many albums with various groups, but I never was really doing what I wanted to do, which was the music I had myself in my head. And you know, I I, I just always had it on the back burner. But I've been writing music and just cataloging it for a long time. And then about 10 years ago, um, I really just decided, you know, I have to do this or I'm never going to do it. And that's when I put, you know, started looking for them. And, you know, not to get too off on a tangent, but right when I started it, uh, it looked like it was going well. And then, and I had, I had different musicians at the time when I started it. And I got sick. I ended up with stage four lymphoma cancer. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was crazy. And so many things were collapsing around me and this band then suffered that, that, that was it for that. And, uh, eventually, you know, through the, the, the grace of modern medicine, I got well and, uh, oh, I was able to reform and I ended up eventually finding new musicians. And here we are today. It's better than ever and better than I could have ever expected. So it's like you had you went through this really horrible, scary thing, and there was a genuine light at the end of the tunnel. So you know, I don't know what that says about me, but it took a scary thing for me to finally get up off my butt and just you know, let's get this going. (laughs) You know, Uh, the the universe was like, "You've got one life, and I'm going to need you to get it together." Exactly, (laughs) and uh, I've been telling everybody I'm now living my second life, and everything now is gravy. It's all. It's all great. Well, I'm glad you made it through it and you're healthy now. Remission? Thank you. Yes, I've been in remission now for several years, and they feel that uh, every day that goes by is uh, another little percentage point of it not coming back. So That is – A footnote to that, which is interesting, is that when this all happened, I was uh, just newly married, and I had my first child on the way. 
Oh my and, gosh. Yeah, it was crazy. And, you know, I had the people in my hometown, the doctors in my hometown aren't, you know, that good. Uh, I live, I, I live in the Scranton, Pennsylvania area. Mm-hmm. And at that time, just what I was being told was they'll do what they can, but they, they were giving me like six months to live. Um, at that point, my wife and my mother started looking around and they found uh, some great cancer centers down in Philadelphia, the Fox Chase Cancer Center, the University of Penn. And those doctors, we went to visit them and mm-hmm. it was night and day. They were like, look, we got this. You're going to be fine. So it was like amazing. <laughs> you probably felt like a weight was lifted off your shoulder. When you went well, to it was session. nice to have at least it was nice to have you know some uh, positivity more than the doom and gloom. And yeah. you know, and I kept thinking them. I remember, I'll never forget that was a very a big moment in my life when I was laying in the bed in the hospital and I, and I looked at the doctor and uh, I said to her, uh, "Do you think I'm going to see my child born?" And you know she hesitated and it was like I don't know. You know, and I was like, oh. where at the same time, then about a few weeks later, I'm down at the Fox Chase Cancer Center and I'm talking to that doctor who looked like just a little kid. He looked like he was just out of the red. Like Juki Hauser. Yeah. And, and I said to him, uh, you know, am I going to, what do you think my chances are here? Because I'm not hearing good things. He said, oh, he goes, you're a young guy. You're in great shape. You're going to make it. Don't you worry about a thing. We're going to take care of you. I was like, wow. Well, shout out to the Cancer Center. Yeah, definitely. So anyway, that really motivated me once I got through that time Mm -hmm. to finally get my personal music out there, if not for anything, just for myself and maybe for my children one day. When I'm long gone, they can listen to something that their dad did, you know. I have a yes, lot of exactly. albums out there, and I have a lot of recordings of me playing rock and metal music, and I love that. But there was this other side of me that really loved the instrumental part and more emotional kind of a thing where you find it through the music, not just the lyrics or the singing, you know. Which leads me to my next question, which was why in, why instrumental music? Why no lyrics? Is it just because you want the feelings to be taking you through the story? Yeah, it's just like, you know, if you think about music, you know, if you go back to the great composers, they weren't writing lyrics either, you know. That's right. And and, uh, they were creating these very big emotional movements or moments, and they were doing it with sound. And, you know, as I'm sure you know and everybody knows who listens to music, which is probably everybody, you know, that's a form of communication. Uh, Yes. You know, you don't need the words there to communicate something. When you go to a movie and you watch a movie, if it weren't for that music in the background, the movie would mean nothing to you. It just would not impact you the way it does. And that thematic music, that soundtrack-oriented music, is something I wanted to do in a live setting and have people come to a show where they're sitting there and they're feeling things, you know, emotions, without me saying a word. And if I could do that, I know that I've done extremely well as a guitarist and as a musician. And that's kind of what I wanted to do. There are things I want to express that can only be expressed in a very abstract way. And also, I don't sing very well. So, <laughs> so and I didn't want to get another singer and deal with that whole thing. So have you been able to play your mu- this music live yet? Oh yes, many many times we've done we've done awesome. A, we've done yeah over the last several years we've done you know a couple hundred shows easy. Oh, uh, so you're really out there doing? I'm now. Did COVID slow? I'm sure COVID slowed some of well, that. Well, that yeah, that put a that put a stop to it for a while. But now we just finished. Uh, we just did our second show since COVID, and our third show it's going to be a big one. It's it's a like a CD release party, and it's going to be in my local town here near Scranton and. Uh, you know, that's September 25th. We're going to be doing a nice, uh, nice concert. It'll be like a, just a big, like, you know, one of the things I like about this music is I want you to hear loud and furious music, but then I also want you to hear music that's a whisper where you can hear a pin drop in the same song. And that's what I, if you got a chance to listen to the album. I did. Kind of what I'm going for. Yeah, there was a lot of um, different emotions. There was a lot of different sounds. You could tell, like, you were using 
timing and riffs to elicit emotions. Motrack was the same. Also, side note, you are an amazing guitar player. I don't know if anybody's told you that recently, but I was like, wow, okay, you go. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, guitar is a passion of mine. It's a love of mine. But, you know, to me, even though I want to play and do the best I can on the instrument, the compositions and the music, as I tell my band, is most important. We have to serve the music. We're not here to show off. We just want to make the music get across to people. So usually, you know, when you get a room full of great musicians, the music's like too technically good and the average listener just can't relate. And uh, I don't want to do that. I want to get good musicians, but I want to be able to relate to the average listener and have them hear the emotion or at least interpret it in some way, you know. And so let's uh, talk about your title track, 1111. Um, okay, so in in my little crazy spiritual world 1111 is like twin flames is that was that how you came up with the title of the album was that what it was about to you so what happened was um when i this is going over probably about 12 to yeah about 12 years ago 15 years ago Mm -hmm. every day i was seeing the number 1111 i would look at the clock and it would be 1111 like i i didn't look at the clock any other time in wow. the morning, but when I did look, it was 11-11. So, yeah, it might be subconscious, but I, I didn't know it was staying 11-11. I, just, I would turn to look, and there it was. Or I'd put the TV on, and, you know, something would happen on, you know, the 11th channel that was very interesting, or it would say 11-11. Or at nighttime, I would lay my head down, and I'd turn over to look at my clock before I fall asleep. <laughs> it says 11-11. Wow. And this started happening a lot, like way more than, you know, any other number that I would, I, I didn't, in fact, I didn't recognize any number other than that number. It just stuck out. So I just ignored it for a while. Then about six months into it, I was like, this is crazy. And I went on Google and I typed in 1111 and there's an entire thing mm-hmm. about, it, you know, like you said, there's a whole, there's a whole theory on 1111. There's a cosmo thing. There's spiritual thing. There's uh conspiracy theories, there's all kinds <laughs> of stuff about this thing called 1111. And it just blew my mind, it's like, that somehow I arrived to this through me seeing the number, you know? And yeah. it wasn't like the other way, where you tell someone about it, like, I'm mentioning it now, so now some people might start seeing it. It wasn't like that. It was the exact opposite. I was completely oblivious, and it just found me somehow. So... That is how that song and then ultimately the album title was born was from that. And uh I still don't give it, you know, uh, again, I don't give it much credence. I don't know mm-hmm. anything about it. I, I really have not delved or I, I can't tell you anything about it. I'm sure you can tell me a lot about it, but I can't because I don't want to know. It's just You're like, I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to leave it. Yeah, it's just an amazing. All I know from the brief Googling I did was that, um, you know, 1111 meant if, if you, you were seeing it often, you were transforming to a different, uh, enlightenment or a spiritual thing, or you were starting to get, you know, closer to something that meant, you know, something significant in your life. So, you know what? That's good enough for me. It gave you something to write about. It was, it was there. It was like, write about me. This is there it is. You know, it's funny. There it is. Now that you say that, it, it's amazing because I, like I told you earlier about what happened to me and how I finally got it all going, and here it is, 1111 is the stamp on it now.
you started in music specifically? Uh, honestly, just as a young teen. You know, before my teens, I enjoyed listening. I can I can remember as a very young child listening to Elvis and you know mm-hmm. hearing the Beatles, and and I was interested in that, but it, it, I wasn't interested until my early teens. And I would have to say the first thing I heard that blew me away were probably like the groups Led Zeppelin and yeah. Rush. And I, when I saw Led Zeppelin and Rush and then eventually all the other bands of that era, you know, like the ACDCs and Iron Maidens and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, I, that stuff just won me right over. I just needed to be able to play. Very specifically, it was Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin and Randy Rhodes. Those two guys really made me want to learn how to play the guitar. You were like, I got to do that. Yeah, it was just, it, it, I, it just, it, they, they really, you know, talked to me when they played. It really meant something to me. Yeah, for sure. The way they played, watching them live is what really just, you know, did so it. So you got to, you got to see them live. No, let me rephrase on film. Oh. <laughs> because, uh, Led Zeppelin, although they were around when I was alive, yeah. it's just, you know, that was in the 70s, and in the 70s, I was still, you know, preteen. Yeah, that's why I was sitting here like, wait a minute, wait a minute, your parents were awesome. They took you to Led You know what's funny? My parents were oblivious to all of that. My parents both were born and raised in uh, Sicily, and they both met on the boat coming to New York. And, that was uh, so cool. Yeah, and when about a year after they got off the ship, they reunited, got married, and a year later I was born. Uh, they're not like, let me rephrase that. They are musical in the sense that they love music and, you know, in their tradition. But, right. but they had nothing to do with putting music into me, you know? That was all you. Other than the DNA, if that, you know, if that makes a difference. Uh, which I think it does because. I think um, it's there. Yeah, no, no. You know what? I now have uh, two young children, uh, six and eight, and my wife is a, a great singer. She's the one who sings on that cut called Breeze, if you heard that. I did. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, between us and we never said or did anything to push the kids into music, they're already, like, heavily into singing, dancing, and playing instruments. And we never, never tried to get them into it. It's just on their own. They just know? they just came to it. It was part of who they were. Right. So I was actually that was my next song I was gonna ask you about was Breathe because I was like this one actually this one has has some singing on it. How right. did you, how did you con- convince her to do that or did you even have to convince her? She was just like, Yeah, let's go. That's the oddball track on the yeah. album. Because the whole album is current as far as the playing goes. Mm-hmm. But that album is actually the music you're hearing and the singing she's doing, that's almost 10 years old. It was actually a demo, and I just kept it as the demo, and I put it on there as the final product because it just had the right magic to it. I didn't want to change it. So that's what that was. But I didn't have to convince her because she's a singer, and, and her and I actually used to do a duo of acoustic stuff. We used to play all around the area. But I told her I wanted to sing and do something to use her voice more as an instrument, not like a way to deliver words. So that's why when you listen to that song, you only hear her saying the words breathe, you know, and, um, or, you know, breathe in, breathe out. And that's it, because I just wanted to create that layer, that texture um, through her voice. And if you really listen carefully, her voice has almost like a synth uh, uh, sound to it. Yeah. And uh, that was part of the process. I, I wanted to do something with her voice to make it sound a little more instrument-oriented than a traditional voice. But, yeah, I mean, it's funny because live, we do that song, but unfortunately she's not at the shows and able to come because we have the kids in the house. So yeah. what I did is I took her voice and I put them in samples, and my drummer triggers her voice during the song. Ain't nothing wrong with that. That's how you pull that off. Yeah, so it's really yeah. cool because it still comes off really great live, and you, and the people hear the voice and they're like, "Who's doing that?" You know, so, <laughs> like, we so it's see- like a it's like a was it Billy Vanilli or Vanilla? <laughs> Billy Vanilli. <laughs> oh, that's like a that's a throwback. Other than that, other than that, all the music we do is live. There's nothing pre-recorded, nothing like that. 
Hey everyone, there's a new season of sound pollution coming your way. I know it's been a really rough 18 months and we are not out of the dark yet, but I'm going to keep bringing you new independent artists, their music, and their stories, as well as some updates from fabulous musicians that have been here before. I will be introducing you to the occasional guest co-host this fall as well. Will I find a permanent partner for the show? If you're interested in being a guest musician on Sound Pollution or want to co-host an episode, shoot me a message at soundpollutionpodcast.com or soundpollutionpodcast at gmail.com. Be love and make some noise. You should do some trippy video behind you for that song where it's like her face, but it's animated. You know what? That's my, that's very much on my mind. I want to do in my show. My goal is to present it with a large movie behind me that matches up with the, the music. We had already done a half hour film clip that I have on, uh, you know, on digital. And we've done a few shows where I'll bring it and I'll run it off of a projector. But the venues I play at, you know, typically they're, you know, club oriented and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So there's really, it's hard to pull that off. But when, when, you know, if we get to the venues that I really want to get to, the larger theaters and such, I definitely 100% have a whole thing of, like I said earlier, movie soundtrack stuff that I want going on behind us while we're providing the music, you know? Oh yeah. I totally, as you, as you were telling me about, about the song, I I was thinking about when I saw Tool and right. I was in the field cause you know, I'm broke and <laughs> I couldn't get up front. Damn it. And they had, instead of the band being on the big, cause you know, they have the big screens out, you know, if you play at like a stadium by the fields so right. that you can still see the band. But instead of seeing the band, we were watching these trippy cartoons that went along with their music and they have lyrics, but their music is, is instrument driven. Right. And it was a whole nother experience. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about any of these groups, even like, you know, Pink Floyd always comes to my mind because. Yeah. You know, they have large sections of their music, which is just music. Yeah. And they have all the trippy, you know, animation behind them. And now, of course, you know, if you go to an album like The Wall, there's a big story being told there, and that's different. But there's other music that they've done, which is just music for the sake of music, you know. Yes. Uh, like Shine On You Crazy Diamond is a great example. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of sections to that piece, and it's mostly music. In fact, when we what we do at our show, you know, it's kind of a secret, but it's no big deal. When they when people come, they don't realize it. But in the middle of one of my songs, which is not on the album, because we have a lot of new stuff too, we actually branch into uh, some Pink Floyd stuff, and then it takes people a second, and they realize, oh, we're we're listening to Pink Floyd right now, and then we come back out of it. So sometimes I like to just sneak in little things in the middle of my pieces, you know. You know, something about the songs, the vast majority of the songs on that album, which is, you know, my first instrumental album that I finally got to put out, is music which I've been, like I told you earlier, I've been writing for the past 30 years. I mean, it didn't take me that long to write them, but like I wrote, I wrote like the song Sky, I wrote that. I was living in Los Angeles in 1987, and that's when I wrote that. Really? That was my next song I was going to ask you about. You need to stop being a step ahead of me. That's not fair. (laughs) So tell me more about that. Yeah, so I was actually – I lived in Hollywood, California. I attended a music school out there called the Musicians Institute, which housed the Guitar Institute of Technology. And when I was 18 years old, I went out to that school. It was my first trip away from home on my own. I had just graduated high school, and that was my college. I went there and attended that uh, guitar course, and I was living in a, a crummy apartment with a roommate and um I that's used the to rite of night- passage. What's that? Oh yeah, that's the rite of passage. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a room as big as your bedroom, and both of us were in it, and we had to cook, sleep, and do everything in that tiny room all all together. And uh, but at, what I would do at night often is I would go up on the roof of the apartment because all the roofs out there were flat, you know. So I would sit up there and just enjoy kind of hanging out up there. I bring my guitar up there all the time. 
And that's when I wrote the, the song Sky. I came across this interesting chord that I was, that I was actually studying at the school and, uh, that inspired me to write the song and then seeing the, the, the night sky up on top of the, uh, apartment building. And that all, and it's interesting. I wrote that song way back then. I put it in my back pocket and then it wasn't until maybe 10 years ago when I brought it back out for this Rosello project I was doing. And here it is now on the album. It's a great track. And I liked that you opened with it. And it's funny that you, you wrote it literally under the stars. But when I was listening to that, I know the title is Sky, but that's what I was thinking of was the night sky. I don't know. Yeah. It, it came to me, so that definitely comes across. You know, so I'm not doubting you, but if what you're telling me is true, it's true. That no, is a huge feather in my cap. <laughs> no, seriously. No, no. Granted, you did title it Sky, so I mean, obviously, I was going to think of the sky, right? But it was exactly. specifically the night sky in my head. Yeah, yeah. And and we had, like I told you, we did some video for that with the night sky, and we would play it and have that night sky video working nice. behind us. That really helped. My my huge goal is to be able to do that song in a planetarium. <laughs> oh yes. So. Oh, I want tickets to that if you do that, just for <laughs> yeah. myself. I might bring my daughter.
been writing for a long time. You've been playing for a long time. You went to school for music. What would you tell somebody, a younger person who wanted to be a musician? What advice would you give them? Well, I mean, it depends what their, their the goal in that under that the musician heading is. You know, if they just want to be a musician, that's what that's all that matters to me is that I can play and and, and do music. If they want to make a living playing music, that's a whole other thing. Right. You know, that's like, that's not something I do. I mean, I teach music, I teach guitar, and that's how I make a living. Mm-hmm. But I don't make a living from the music you're hearing or from playing shows. It's just so hard to get in the break, especially that music, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, forget, you know. It was bad enough you got to have a hit song. Now now I, there's no chance of you ever having a hit song. My, my advice is, you know, if you want to do it, you do it. If, it. if it means something to you, if it really means something to you, do it. Don't just do it because you think it's going to get you something else. You know, the typical, you know, for the girls or the, right. the partying, you know. If that's what you're do- getting into music for, you are doomed beyond doomed. You have no idea. But uh, if you're getting into it for the art, and for the uh, the human value of it, yeah, go, you know. Don't let anything stop you, but just do it for the right reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Do it, you know, anything. And that, that goes for anything. If you do it for the right reasons, then you should be doing it. And, you know, I think people know. Sometimes they don't at the time, but they usually know if they're doing things for the right reasons. <laughs> <laughs> they may not want to admit to it, but they right. know. Exactly. Now, you guys have been doing writing. You said you have a yeah. We have another album release in mind. Oh, beat me to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. We yeah we have another album's worth of music. What we're planning on doing is just play. We want to play this album for a while and get into next year, and then we're going to probably do a second album next year. And if we do that, it'll be quick because we already have it. It's not like right. You know so. Do you want to plug any of your social media right now? Yeah, well, the, the best place to come see us is at my website. You, you know, you can interact with us there. You can see what we're doing, where we're playing. And that's the uh, com. And then, of course, on Facebook, if you go to Rossello Project, we're on there, too. And I also have a, a – remember Reverb Nation? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so we're on there. And, you know, I have the songs up. You can check them out there. And the songs, are, you know, they're streaming on the typical, you know, the Apple and iTunes and all that stuff. They're they're streaming here all all over, you know. So if, if you just search our name, Rosello Project, you'll find them. If you want to help us out, go to my website and you can purchase the digital download or the CD and uh, help us stay alive. Is there anything else you want to tell my listeners? You know, really, just uh, all I all I ask is if they would just do me a favor and. Give me a few seconds of their time and listen to any track. Just randomly pick one and see see if it does anything for you. Uh, that's all. That's all I ever cared was that you know someone just hears it for a minute and then they can decide. It's it really sucks when you're dismissed and they don't even have any idea what you sound like. You know. Right. And uh, so just give it a listen. You know, most people I have found, especially at live shows, they make a real nice connection with us as we're playing. One of the, the interesting things is that I do talk about the songs and I do give more of a personal background on each song at the live shows. And people then start to connect more with me because they understand where it came from. Now, some of them might not understand where I was coming from, but they'll be able to relate it to, you know, experiences in their own lives. And I, I like to say that, you know, we end up becoming the soundtrack for your life, no matter who you are. And you start to, you know, remember things that you might not have remembered as you listen to our music. So our audiences, you know, we have like two kinds of audiences. We have the audiences that are, they love the musicianship and they love watching that part. But then there's this other section where they're just emotionally transformed into like, or, or transferred to a place in their minds where they're really like, you know, they're on a trip without doing any drugs. They're just like listening. Yeah. And they're really involved, and then emotional things come up, good or bad, from their experiences. And you know, the best thing that has ever happened to me, ever, hands down, in music, is that when I played my music, the Rosello Project music, 
I would have individuals come up to me either in between the songs or at the end of the, the show, literally crying, telling me how much they felt it and how much it meant to them and how they were relating emotionally to it. And, you know, there's a song on there called uh, Fly Away, and mm-hmm. that's about my father's death. And he died of cancer, so there's a big story that goes with that song. And uh, when I tell that story, everybody in the room, I have them in the palm of my hands because who doesn't know someone who had cancer, you know? Yeah. And uh, so it really relates. And so, you know, that, that's what the music is about. It's not about, you know, partying or, you know, or just it's in the background and you ignore it. It's about really listening and seeing the touch of now, it. it probably, you know, I don't expect everybody to get it. But if you might be a person who will get it, so just give me a few minutes of your time and go listen to it. All right, everybody, that was episode 52 with the Rosello Project. As always, make sure you click those links below and share, share, share. I am still looking for new musicians to be on the show. I'm always looking for new independent musicians to be on the show, I should say. And if you're interested in co-hosting as well, please reach out to me. You can find Sound Pollution on pretty much all social media. I'm very annoying. And I can be reached at the website, Sound Pollution Podcast, or at my email, soundpollutionpodcast at gmail.com. I want everybody to be safe, be love, and make some noise. 